Hey guys, George Mesa, Third Eye Edify podcast. And we're here for round two of several music episodes that go into some detail about where we've been, where we're going, and how did we get here? And have we been duped yet again to expect something from music that either never belonged or is given to us in a very distorted way? Distorted, inverted, Many of the things that we see all around us every day, as a matter of fact, and never realize it till you open your eyes. But now we must open our ears and our hearts to hear and see certain things. I wanted to start with something I mentioned last time that I did not demonstrate on the instrument. And that is, when we hear our pitch, our fundamental, let's say, of A. Need a little volume there. D, let's say. A little louder. Inside of that note is a whole world of notes. And this is called the overtone series. They each rise in pitch. As we go higher and higher into the overtone series, the pitch rises. But it's all coming from one single frequency. For example, I'll play open D. And if I gently touch the string at a certain, what's called a node, you heard the octave go up. I can raise it two octaves here. Hopefully you hear that. And if I were to pluck it directly, it looked like I'm, I was pushing, but I wasn't. Fretting the note and playing the harmonic that's there. And if you're not sure what a harmonic is, bottom line is that Rather than actually push the string to change the note, I'm actually manipulating the orbit, and I use that term musically, the orbit of the string. Inside of its own vibrating body, you get a ton of overtones. Now, what I had mentioned last time is that when we fret our notes, we do what Pythagoras wanted, the notes go up in this direction. Now, if I go in this direction, I'll get those same notes going up in this direction with harmonics from the overtone series. So as you can see, the notes go up in this direction. Same notes, different octave but they move in the other direction. So hopefully this gives a little more clarity as to what is equal temperament actually doing? Equal temperament is telling us that the overtone series provided by nature is wrong and subdividing one octave into 12 perfectly equal sections is correct. Now we often hear terms and I wrote them down ex exactly as I keep reading them. Um, we keep getting things like purity, simplicity, tolerable, more tolerable. We don't need anything to be more tolerable or simpler. We just need it to be what it is. I think we've been trained to hear music a certain way, to expect things from music that it shouldn't be doing. And the things that it should be doing are now distorted and inverted. So having said all that, I think I'll make a quick demonstration about the overtone series versus the actual note at the same time so you can hear it. It's a small difference, but I imagine it goes a very, very long way to distorting our perception of music and reality in general. So here's this first note that I did earlier. This is the note D, here it is here. I'd say overall that's very, 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 very close. And that's the fundamental. It should be really close. All the other ones might be off. Let's see. If you listen very closely with headphones, you'll hear a wobble. Now a very small wobble. That's the sound of a very fast wobble, meaning that it's even farther away. 
the closer two pitches are to their exact replicant, the beats, as they call it, the vibrating of the wave goes away. And finally, so as we rise through the overtone series, more often than not, we get farther and farther away to what equal temperament gives us. Something that came up when I was talking to Mario Garza in our second conversation about AI and AI art in particular is that we get more and more things around us and we see the same things more and more often due to media and other things. Even the idea of smoking a cigarette. This used to be sacred rituals, smoking tobacco. They did it at certain times. They didn't just smoke 20 a day, two packs a day. Frequency of smoking increases just through culture. And I made the comment that as frequency increases, it gets harder and harder to distinguish what it actually is. Once we hit that dog whistle range, you can't tell what note it is. And it actually becomes invisible. You don't, and invisible is a vision thing, but inaudible. You can't hear higher frequencies. And you can't hear the lowest frequencies. Our ears are made to hear certain frequencies, which I went into detail in the episode, You Are the Ultimate Instrument. So maybe something good that will come from this insane media blitz of information and shows and everything else. Maybe the, the increased frequency of everything will finally even itself out and people will notice that there's too much of everything and they can't even tell what's going on anymore. It's inaudible. It's invisible. We shall see. But uh, that's just a little primer to what's going on today. Thanks for joining me. So I think with today's particular conversation about music, I want to start at least by discussing the concept of temperament, compare it to some things. We'll get into some chord ideas as well, harmony that is, because I went as far as I could without being crazy thorough and making it a five-hour episode, trying to get into the concept of one note actually, or more as a chord, deceiving the implication of a melody, or even its, its, its tonality, its, its meaning or its feeling. Minor can become major right away just by changing one note underneath and adding a note. You can change your perception of something very easily. And I'm sure it has a lot to do with that 24-hour news cycle we always get. Thanks for that, CNN. And the other ones are at fault too, but CNN was the first 24-hour news cycle. And that was the beginning of that. So what is temperament? What is the definition? What does it have to do with the temperance card, the tarot deck, or temperance in general? Are they related? Is there a need? I assume that there is. There's a way to see how the octave naturally divides itself. And it's not equal. And I'll give you some examples that might help you think about it more clearly that are not musical. But here's a few de definitions I got of temperament because we are going to be discussing equal temperament from the 1966 Webster's New World Dictionary. Number one was proper mixing. Temperament. Proper mixing. That has something to do with what we talked about last time where we have a tonal center, we have a key, A major, C sharp minor, and we can mix in the other keys. We can borrow from the other keys, but we don't leave the initial key. We stay in our tonal center. And as we interact with things on a daily basis, our tonal center remains ours. We never leave it, but we do borrow and interact with other tonal centers. So it does have something of a musical idea. That's not the musical definition, of course. Number two was proportionate mixture or balance of ingredients. A proportionate mixture. Not equal, but the appropriate mixture. Just because you have five ingredients to make bread or dinner doesn't mean you use an equal amount of each one. There's a certain ebb and flow to creating something like that. And in medieval physiology, this is number three, 
any one of the four conditions of the body and mind. They had sanguine, phlegmatic, choleric, and melancholic. Attributed to an excess of one of the four corresponding humors. I'm not going to go into detail about the humors, but this is maybe closer to the concept here that you can be balanced through temperament. It may be making you think of one's own temperament. You can be angry or happy, and that's your temperament at the time. Your temper, right? Bad temper, bad temperament. Same word. The Oxford Dictionary from the internet, I got a definition of a person's or animal's nature, especially as it permanently affects their behavior. Permanently affecting behavior is now getting much closer to what I think the problem with equal temperament is. And I'm certainly not alone in thinking there's a problem with it. Um, even some of the ones that use it at first were probably a little weary about it. But when you make a piano, when you make a fretted instrument, you kind of have to find some balance, some way to make all the keys work. Unlike the instruments before those, where one or two keys was about as good as it could do. And... uh that can be fleshed out either in another episode, or you can ask me personally. I, there's a lot of things that I can't get into to keep these episodes under, you know, seven hours. Um, I'm willing to speak to anyone about any of this at any time. I have lots of notes that I don't get to say every word every single time. So, you know, please interact with me um, on either the Rockfin, hopefully, or the YouTube, of course. Um, comment. You can personally message me. You can get on my Telegram group. I'll answer right away. So, now what about the temperance card? You may be familiar with it. I think I want to show it so I can talk about it with you for a moment here. This is number 14, temperance. Now, you may think balance, and that's certainly part of the deal, but there's a little more to look at here. One of the most interesting concepts of this particular one is look at the water going from the two chalices. Is it going up or down? Yeah, you'd assume down, but it could be flowing upwards. You just never know. It's hard to tell with this. The pictured person's right foot is lower and the left foot is higher. Same with the chalices. There is something of a balance here. And when you stand on one foot, the easiest way to get balance is to align your head and neck and your spine, technically, with the foot that's on the ground. Now, we don't know if the foot in the water is touching the ground, but it seems like that's the alignment. Right foot, head, neck finds that center. And this actually finds its way into something I discussed in a previous episode, where looking at a wheel of music, you can find a center, a pole, so to speak. There is a pole present here. There is a tonal center. Temperance, temperament. But there's also something of an indecisive nature, in my opinion. For example, is that a sun in the background? Or is it a crown? There seems to be the implication of a sun at the character's head here. Now, it appears like a woman, but it could be a man, believe it or not. And apparently it's depicted differently in different decks. But here, I can see it going both ways, although it does appear feminine. It's not good or bad, it's just the way it is. But look at the sun. The sun symbol, zodiac sun symbol, is on the forehead of this character. So there's a sun there, and there's a crown, there's a sun in the best two suns, interestingly enough. And one foot in the water, one foot out. Are we stepping in? Are we stepping out? Are we indecisive? Do we know? With the balance comes a lack of perfect division in any way. And we get irises which are also a flower associated with balance. Temperament can be balanced. It doesn't mean that it's 100% equally balanced. If two items weigh the same for balancing, you may need more or less of one item. It doesn't mean there's the same amount of them visually, but they may weigh the same. For example, there's plenty more to discuss here, but I see the qualities of music that may be present. And finally, there is a triangle showing inside of a square. Um, the squares and the triangles work out on the zodiac in a way that is astounding as far as music, and I probably will get into that today. 
But the triangle, especially the triad, is a chord in music. And there are the three main chords of a key. The tonic, the predominant, and the dominant. And I will discuss that in a little bit about why that particular triad actually goes a long way. I may not show too many images today, but this is definitely going to be one of them. This is my musical zodiac. Starting at Aries, we get C. The original C of the womb. C as an ocean here, perhaps. The start. And there are some astounding similarities with things that come up if you were to connect certain squared zodiac signs, for example, which are normally not good, you get diminished chords. If I do A, C, E flat, or what's called D sharp here, Capricorn Aries Cancer, this is squaring, not necessarily good. It does make a triangle. Comes back to the image we saw. If you actually square it up, give yourself a box, you get something that's not necessarily great either. But we also get um, the same signs exist. For example, Aries, Leo, Sagittarius, all fire signs. They make an augmented triad. And if this is going above your head, I don't mean that. But it's interesting that the two chords you get from typical zodiacal relationships are not coming from, if I were to spell major and minor chords here, you don't get much. CEG doesn't really have an extremely valid relationship. CEG sharp does. And that's a chord that's way less used in music. Diminished and augmented are far less used than major and minor. Now, why even show this? Why even mention that this, this division can exist with the zodiac signs and the notes. Well, think about it. Equal temperament. Make sure that all 12 notes of the musical spectrum are divided perfectly evenly between each other to make sure the octave sounds a certain way. This means this wheel will add up to 360, just like we expect all circles to do. Now, what does the wheel of the year do? It doesn't do that. It adds up to 365.24. Now, they go for 12 months, but are they divided evenly? They're not. February has 28, three out of four times in a row. Some have 30. Some have 31. We don't get even note. We don't even get even distribution of the 12 months that we use. Meanwhile, there's actually 13 lunar cycles in a year exactly. So we don't even respect the moon enough to give it 13 moons. We just get 12 months and we're used to it. It's a construct. It's a creation to distort and alter your perception of the year. The moon doesn't begin and end at the beginning of these months that we're given. The moon does what it wants on the outsides of it. It doesn't follow the path that we're given in our calendars. And yet, when I put those 12 notes on the zodiac signs, I get relationships zodiacally. Now, I'm not here to discuss the zodiac too much, but do you think that these things should be lining up so perfectly with each other? It seems odd that they would line up. It seems hard to believe. And I am curious. I'm very curious what you think. Because when things line up like this, when I think something's wrong with them, I think it goes a long way to prove that somebody did take control of this and do what they wanted with it, making the 12 months equally distributed, as if if you looked at the zodiac signs in the sky, they take up the same exact amount of space. The zodiac signs definitely do not take up the same amount of space in the sky. And they shouldn't. But our notes also shouldn't, as I was doing my best to give you an audio example of at the beginning of the episode here. So 
this goes to where the problems with equal temperament and what it was a solution for. They always have an answer for everything, don't they? Keys, every scale, every key that we use musically should have its own identifiable traits. We study music in Western theory and we learn what to do with a key. And then they all do it exactly the same. And every single key's F sharp is the same. The C is always the same in every key because it's equal temperament. This is that part, they get rid of this troublesome, difficult idea that all these notes can be different. A sharp is not supposed to equal B flat. And it does according to what we do now. It's not supposed to. A sharp in B major is supposed to be different than A sharp in F sharp major. It's supposed to be a different note. And that is what gives keys their most unique qualities and will bring us potentially closer to hearing the beauty of actual music. And this could just be a melody. It doesn't have to be chords, as I have made a, you know, did my best to make a case for last time. Melodies really are the key to all this. And I want to wait a moment before I do discuss melodies any further. But what about equal temperament? Maybe we can get a little, little bit more into it, right? Um, it's accompanied, it wasn't from the same era, but it is accompanied by the 440 hertz that was discussed last time as well. When music is set to be equally tempered amongst the octave, it's also accompanied by A has to be this exact note. C is always going to be this exact pitch. And that's already this fine nature too. Do you think all birds sing in 440? They don't have anything to agree on. There would be no reason for that. It's what nature intends. When you step, step up and sing, let's say the national anthem, you know it's going to be in a certain spot pretty damn close every time, but unless there's a full orchestra playing with you, the melody on its own can ebb and flow. It can start here. It can start there. It doesn't have to be in this exact temperament. This helps the individuality. We should have individuality of music when we sing or play an instrument. And unfortunately, we really don't. We're kind of restricted, and we've learned to grow up with the sounds. It doesn't mean it's right. It does not mean that it's right. Um, maybe, my, I was thinking, and now I'm thinking out loud, maybe rock music, particularly the American rock music from Tin Pan Alley and the likes of that, I think it really started to push the 440 thing. Because sometimes I'll be learning or playing along with a jazz tune from before, let's just say 1940. And it's not necessarily in the 440 thing. They were just playing where they felt it. A lot of classical and ballet and opera, it's all the same. Not always 440. But rock music came around and suddenly pianos were being tuned with guitars, with a bass and the singer, of course. So now... They all felt that there was this reason to have this perfectly uniform sound. And maybe when you're recording it, I'm not saying it doesn't help, but it's just what we're used to. And now it's ease of use. It's making us lazy. Maybe this helped push equal temperament and 440 in our ears. A lot of orchestral music doesn't have instruments with frets or valves or piano keys. So there is this freedom, and a lot of string quartets end up revealing that beauty, as a matter of fact. String quartets, quintets, and, and above. There is something to it. You can really tell that it doesn't sound quite like, let's say, a full orchestra or a rock band. And this is why it's, a, it's maintained its popularity, more than a lot of other classical styles, I would say. I think... One thing I really want to mention before I get any further into melodies and um, the way chords work musically is that there is something electronically called MIDI and the musical instrument digital interface. And it came out in pretty early 80s. It's something that synchronizes electronic musical instruments. Um, it's an interface. And with it, you can sound like a bunch of other instruments. And all you have to do is either play your keyboard or whatever you're putting into the MIDI and it can take, you can send that signal very easily process notes and make your own sounds that are not the instrument. You can choose an instrument. You can sound like a flute. You can sound like 
anything. You could play drums on the guitar if you felt like it. And um, the reason I'm mentioning the MIDI thing, you may be familiar with it, is that there's a tuning standard for this. They demanded a universal language in order to be able to use MIDI. And it's all based on 440. So that's just one more component of bringing us into this age. Once the computer music started happening, they actually have something that is, it's demanding that you use 440. So that way everyone can have an easier time. So I think that's a, that's a big deal. There's other factors involved with the 440 thing, but I need to step back for one moment because I think I didn't mention this before, and I'm sorry if I skipped it. The year, 365.24 days in a year. Since we don't have a perfect 12 equal subdivisions for each month, it ends up being longer than that. Now, Pythagoras, real or not, we'll see. He is really the reason we have these perfect fifths and the way we use them is that we tune by fifths. We stack fifths over many octaves and those gives up, that gives us the ratios for our equal temperament. And it helps keep everything pure and balanced and simple. That ends up giving us a perfect wheel. We have a perfect 360 wheel. And it affects the fifths from what they really should be based on the overtone series. This is where I ended last time saying three halves, two thirds, inversion. Three halves is what we use when we fret our notes. Two thirds is what we use when we get the overtone series, which tells us where the fifth really belongs. It's an inversion. Now, if we were to actually take a pure fifth from the overtone series and multiply that for a wheel, we get 365.04. Now, does this mean that there's some musical connection to be made with the year that we're presented with? If the wheel that we would get with our equal temperament fifths is 360, perfect circle, and yet our year doesn't necessarily take that full perfect circle, it's a little longer, it's closer to a pure fifth, there might be more to learn with what really occurs in nature's music to our entire surroundings and everything about the place we live. There's so much more to get into. And I'm figuring some of this out as we go along here as well. So, what? Speaking of circles and spiraling, what have what have we done with melodies? Melodies don't have to be complicated. And most cultures, like a happy birthday song or some ritual that you have every year, in order for the entire tribe or the entire town or whatever to be able to play and sing along. It has to be fairly simple. It makes sense for music to stay simple at a cultural level so everyone can sing musician or not. And we are all musicians. I will stand by that. But the nature of melody was much, much closer to good storytelling. We arced somewhere to come back eventually to the same spot that we started. This is the nature of good storytelling. We have a climax as in the highest note we make our way back down again. There's an arc to the music. And the arc would start and end at the same tonic. A lot of cultures take the concept of a circle, where here's the tonic in the middle, and the notes dance around, the spiral around, and then we find ourselves back at the center again. Actually create a circle with our notes technically circling around the tonic, circling around the pure fundamental note or pitch or frequency, whatever you want to call it, that the, that the song started on. No chords needed. No rhythm needed. The rhythm is in the melody. No need for a background skeleton of rhythm, like a drum set or drums in general. A lot of times drums are drums, and melody exists on its own, and the drums exist on their own. They don't, get, they don't go one and the other. A lot of people think that adding a specific background rhythm to latch onto with your melodies is actually cheapening the melody. And you know what? It might be. 
It might be, and rhythm might be one of the bigger concepts we go through in one of these episodes. I'm not sure yet. I haven't mapped it all out. But um, picture this. With the melody that I had, just melodic style I just mentioned earlier, where you start somewhere, you get to the raise to the climax, you come back down. That doesn't necessarily make a circle on paper. That would be like a half circle. But with the spiraling around the frequency center, if this is our tonal center, you're kind of going up and down, above and below, and then you find your way. And that would look more like a circle. So a lot of music was written that way. We had a steady line for frequency number one, the initial pitch, the tonal center. It wasn't written as a note. It just said, this is where you start. And you kind of come up, you go back down, you come up, you come back down, you come back to the final line again. It was a path. They wrote like a flow, musical flow chart. You'd follow it, you get the gist. And a lot of these melodies, you knew them. They were passed on verbally. So you had your idea of them, but you made them your own. We're lacking this now. And if you're thinking covers and cover bands, well, I have something to mention about that as well. And I think that might be part of the, maybe part of the problem here, as a matter of fact. Um... You know, I, I, I wanted to mention this, and I'm not sure how to throw it in, so maybe now's the time that storytelling, it might be the most important tool of mass manipulation of all. How many times have you watched some story unfold in the media and think, what a, what a story, right? A lot of um, reporters and movies are like, what a story, what a scoop, right? And I think that we don't realize how often we're guided through storytelling believe certain things a lot of fiction out there there's those writer's strikes that keep happening those are the people telling the stories the ones who bring it to you are the actors sure but they're just tools storytelling is the writers and again maybe that's why they're going on strike all the time because they know how important and powerful it is and maybe they're sick of having to tell the same stories over and over again with these speaking of covers all these re-releases of movies, it's getting a little ridiculous. But uh, there's got to be a reason they want that same story in your face all the time. So covers of songs are becoming even more popular than they've ever been. It seems like nobody knows who wrote the originals of any of these songs. It's usually Otis Redding, by the way, and that's definitely a joke. But overall, a lot of popular songs are covers. And you know what? A lot of popular movies are not even labeled as a remake. They just release it with the same name. And then when you go to look for it, it'll have in parentheses the year it came out because it's not the original. This happens all the time. So the weirdest thing of all is that, yes, storytelling does go a long way, but now a lot of people are asked to retell stories a certain way. And I may have a little short episode on that entire idea, entertainment-wise. But what happens musically with these covers? Other than the idea that the instruments are changed, maybe it's just a guitarist now. Maybe it's just a ukulele player singing. Or maybe it's, you know, two guitars and a, and a keyboard and drums instead of just one guitar, one bass, and one drum, whatever it is. But that's not what's important. What's important is the key is often changed. And as I said in the last episode about music, colors, certain fish, certain birds, certain flowers, they all mean something. You change that. You change direct meanings. And the same thing happens in these cover songs. You go from G minor to A minor just because your voice doesn't sing well in that range. You've removed the tonal identity of the song. But the words stay the same. So have we been trained to need words? Have we been trained to let the words take our mind for the ride in the song and the notes don't even matter? Is it possible that I see so many short videos now, little 10, 30-second blurts of entertainment, hopefully that whole culture dies as quickly as possible. Um, now there's text subtitles in the same language that they're being spoken in and people are starting to really need this 
they don't need it. If the words weren't there, they would see, but it's becoming a more popular thing now where your video won't sell if you're not putting your words on the screen. Why should you have to? You're speaking the same language that's showing in letters. And then the focus goes to the letters. This happens in music too. Is it just poetry with music to it? It might be. And that might be another part of the problem. But with equal temperament, you change the key and it doesn't have as much of an effect because every key is equal in equal temperament. This goes against nature. Every key is supposed to have its own pure identity where notes are not borrowed and shared amongst the keys. Every key has its own set of notes based on its own overtone series. And don't think for a second that there aren't a billion different pitches and frequencies. People know that you see a typical art wheel, a, a color wheel. Yeah, it's about 12 colors. Hey, another 12, right? But people know that there's a billion colors to choose from. Add a little purple, change a little blue, add a little yellow. You can change your colors in infinite amounts of ways. Change the whites and the darks, whites and the blacks. Why don't people realize that music is the same thing? Frequency can be anything. We name, we'd say A440. We're naming 440A. That is the most backwards thing. And it helps musicians have a common thing to speak about. Yes, it does. But it's taking away from the initial beauty of individuality between the keys. Now green and red are the same in equal temperament. Black is white. It doesn't matter because all the properties and rules and everything coming from one key exist exactly the same in the other key and there's no difference except in the initial sound and the height of where it sits in your vocal range, let's say. But a lot of covers not only alter the key now, but they change, maybe they change the words, that might be a conversation for a different day, but they change the direction of the melody sometimes. I heard a cover of, well, this is, maybe this doesn't count as a cover, but it was um, Make Me Happy When Skies Are Gray. You know that kid's song. And you make me happy when skies are gray. It goes up, right? And he, you make me happy when skies are gray. You know, the singer went down where the song usually goes up. Inversion again. And such a popular, obvious melody. I'm sorry I sang there. I'm not trying to be a singer on this show, but I'm telling you that it really hit me hard. And I was very surprised to find out someone sang that song and inverted that part of the melody. It's supposed to go up there. You would recognize it if it was the Star Spangled Banner, I promise you. So the more you know a melody, it becomes entrenched in your soul. You know it. When you hear a very, very large variation of it, it can really affect you negatively and you might not even realize it. But with equal temperament, you can't perceive it as easily unless you are a trained musician. I always say we're all musicians. We're not all trained musicians, but we are all musicians. And unfortunately, we've been trained to fight our musical ears, much like we've been trained to fight our natural instincts overall, in general, of our entire bodies. And the allopathic medicine world will prove that in a heartbeat. But yeah, it's, it's really strange. And... Speaking of writing and telling stories, who writes half of these things? Most of the most popular pop songs, and hip-hop too, is not even written by the performers. So there are storytellers behind the scenes, people you've never heard of, who write all this music to begin with. And a lot of times, the chords that are attached to the songs, they, it doesn't even, you could remove them or change them, and it doesn't matter. The melody doesn't necessarily stick to what the chord is telling you the melody should be doing. That's not deception, but it's just complete um, disregard for the rules that it, that it presents us with. Melody and chord are supposed to be harmonious, to use an obvious word here. And with, with the music that we get a lot, the, the chord rules that we learn, the expected sounds of which chords go where to bring us back home to that tonic again, with something called what's called a cadence. It's completely distorted. And it's just backwards often, just inverted. Simple inversion. One chord, another chord, will switch where they usually go. And it it is, again, I think it's a major impact. And it's all because of equal temperament. Equal temperament allows this to happen, and it doesn't really affect the average listener that much. 
and even me, who is a very studiously trained musician, unless I go back, especially with songs I grew up with, it's hard to notice because we have been trained to hear things a certain way. We have been trained to like and absorb equal temperament and 440 without saying a word. And that's not the way that nature intended, not even a little bit. Let me just make sure I didn't... Um... You know, it's funny that I, I, did, I did mean to say this, that when somebody writes these tunes and you don't even know who it is, and then the performer goes and does it, you don't know who wrote it. You think, you, you assume it's the person singing it. You assume it's the band members playing it. It's not. And that's another distortion of reality. And yet there's millions of tickets being sold for these shows. Millions of albums, if they still sell albums. Um, think about this, right? When you take something like ayahuasca or even mushrooms or peyote, you're really supposed to have a shaman present. Somebody who can guide you through the process. Maybe not mushrooms as much, because you can be your own shaman sometimes when it comes to that if you're in a controlled environment, but particularly with ayahuasca, and I, I have not done that, and I certainly, I will one day. When you do it, you're, you're being guided by a real shaman who knows what is happening and what you need because you go through phases. Some of it can be very scary and torturous, I imagine, if you're not prepared. They sing melodies, ancient melodies, to pass you through certain parts of it. There's no chords, there's no drums. Shaman knows the melody that you need. Melodies can touch your brain very differently than a full orchestral score or any rock song. Melody is what you remember from your youth. Do you know what chords are being played for Itsy Bitsy Spider? It doesn't matter. It's the least important thing about it. You know the melody and you know the words and you know the rhythm of that melody. This is what matters. You don't know the chords. That's why most people don't know who the bass player is on some album or the keyboardist or the guitarist. You usually don't know unless you're a humongous fan of the band and you know all their names. You know who the singer is. We've actually been conditioned to not even care about the rest of the band. Another lack of respect for no reason. And again, maybe it's on purpose. I assume it is. But equal temperament is again the cause for this. It doesn't matter. You don't even care if you're listening to the guy who wrote it. That's just where we're at. Um, so, something I may have left open from last time, one of the user comments had mentioned that should we really, you know, I said something along the lines, do we need to hear two notes at once last time? And it certainly wasn't trying to push the yes or no, but when we do, even if you, again, are a trained musician, your memory of those two notes simultaneously, you're still going to remember just the melody. All the other stuff is side stuff. It's not melody. The melodic information is the prime song. It is the song. You cannot copyright the chords of a song. Because there's only so many chords, you can only copyright the melody. You don't copyright E minor. You copyright my song, number number one. That's what you can copyright. And people like Weird Al get away with that because it's a parody. And that actually legally takes you away from any responsibility. Which is very interesting, I think. Um, it's a parody. It's a deception. It's a change of the original. It's fine. <laughs> so that's interesting. Now... Based on what I said last time, when you play one note, there is a world of sound inside of this one frequency, a world of sound, a full, beyond a full orchestra. So have we been trained to only hear the fundamental? Is this another reason we crave more? That we need our poetry to have music behind it? And what I mean by that is this. When I play a note, I can get a sense of some of the overtones that appear 
earlier on, some of the lower overtones, not the crazy high stuff, because it goes into dog whistle range, trust me. I can catch the overtones. I can hear them inside of the fundamental through proper training and some unlearning. But the way we are raised in this musical culture in the West, I feel like we've been untrained to even feel or sense the other overtones. And when there's tons of notes happening at once, you can't pay attention to the overtones. All they've been, they have been focused on is making it easier, more simple, and more tolerable. When notes, two notes play at the same time and they have a little distortion between them, we need that. No distortion is you laying in your bed all day and doing nothing until it's time to go to sleep. Distortion is you get up and you move around and you have some, you know, you, 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 you spill a little milk, you clean it up while you're making your breakfast. It ruins your timing for the morning. You have to rush a little bit to get to where you're going. We need dissonance. Music needs dissonance to move forward. Without dissonance, music does nothing but sit at the fundamental. The dissonance occurs when we spiral around it and then we find our way back home. We learn how to resolve the dissonance. We learn how to be ourselves through music and through melody. We learn how to tell stories. We learn how to hear stories. We learn how to take things in and not assume that everything we're given is exactly as it should be because it is not. And I don't think anyone will disagree with that. But now musically, we have a lot to unlearn. I'm not saying we only have to listen to melodies only forever. But we need to realize that there's a lot in that that we don't appreciate or understand. And it's been hidden from us because melodies can do a lot. It can bring people together. It can separate. And maybe that's another part of it. There's less melodies to sing to your kids if you're at work and they're at school. And then when they're done with school, they have extra extracurricular activities and, and then they have to stay later for a test and study. And when do you see your kid then? For your rushed TV dinner? That's exactly what they want. A TV dinner is equal temperament. A home-cooked meal with locally raised everything is a beautiful melody left to be its on its own, left to be beautiful the way it's supposed to be. Have we lost the patience for a simple melody? Was that one of the triumphs of the phone? And streaming and TV in every room, plus a computer somewhere or somewhere and a tablet and who knows what else? Do we need words attached to notes? If you sing two notes at once, you might only hear one if you're really not trained. If we're singing and talking with words at the same time, are we losing? Are we not getting the purest and most beneficial version of each one? Maybe. Did music kill poetry? Video killed the radio star, right? Do we need, or do we suddenly need some kind of like cheap, nonsense background music to accompany words? Can we not hear someone talk like me? Not saying I have to be your choice, but do you need background music at a lecture at school? Is that what it's getting to now? Probably. Probably. But they're, they're pushing away the time and focus needed to actually learn anything. You can learn on YouTube still, regardless of how shit it is. And um, they're making it harder and harder for us to find our roots, to find our ancient roots. It doesn't mean we have to live like that, but there's plenty to be learned from the way we used to live. Again, equal temperament is a big part of that. And how chords work with equal temperament and the way we take in melody with chords is probably going to be what the next one is about.
Well, this was a tough one to put into a flow. And um, that's the nature of what's going on right now. I am trying to capture everything I want in order to get to a final place with this music set of episodes here. Because it's not going to be the end of like a season or anything. I'm just going to be year-round. But your input is greatly appreciated. It can help me help you. Because I am trying to be a lecturer at this point. And there's much to lecture. So... Let me know if you're a non-musician, if you're a non-trained musician. Was there just too much? Or am I starting to break things down? There's lots of other ways that this can be approached with the numbers and the ratios and the fractions, but I think I'm going to keep it around this level for what's happening because there is some knowledge needed, but that can help everyone push each other to learn more. But equal temperament is probably one of the worst things that's ever happened in the entire spectrum of our existence. It'd be like saying there's only 12 colors. Does that make sense? It doesn't. I lose views and subscribers left and right on YouTube. Does that make sense? To them, it does, I guess. So find me on Rockfin. I'm going to be putting more and more exclusive stuff there. And for a monthly fee, you can have the entire channel. And you're helping me out too. If not, at least like, subscribe, share, and uh, click that bell. It's available on Rockfin as well. Same way as, as YouTube's bell works. And I'm also on Patreon, and I'm still a music teacher. Theory, primarily bass guitar, but other things too. And um, find me on my Telegram channel. There's a lot of fun stuff going on there too. And uh, hopefully, I'll see you all next time as this music journey continues. Thank you so much.